What You Want to Know is recorded in Great White Portland. coked out of his mind <laughs> I mean, boy. yeah i don't know man i'm uh i'm not feeling hopeless i'm feeling like um it's wild i mean it's kind of wild how even with all these protests, even with everything that's going on, like people, a person can still get shot seven times or whatever in the back and and there's still a conversation. Like there's still debates going on. Yeah. It's just like, to me, I think this is, I mean, I actually say this a lot, but this feels like the moment for me where I just like check out. It's just like, man, what more do you need as proof that like this system doesn't work for people of color, in particular people that look like me? It's just like... But it's who, who they know. Right, they know the system doesn't work for people who look like you. They're just saying words or putting on basketball tournaments or like having you be distracted by sport whatever it is just to like toss you a carrot to get you to shut up like it's all in like and now they're like trying to push the narrative about Brianna Taylor and oh but she did know this particular person more than we thought and my response to that is, okay. She was shot to death. Bring her Actually, she question. didn't die. She didn't die right away. She was shot in which she died later while sleeping in her bed. And? Yeah. Yeah. She could have been dude's, like, sister, best friend, accomplice, whatever. That's still not a reason to shoot and kill someone but it taps into that thing they're trying to tap into that thing of mostly white people they're trying to tap into that they deserved it Mm -hmm. right well she associated with a criminal he ran he didn't respond politely he turned his back on the police he turned his back after breaking up a fight (laughs) Here's a picture oh, he had a knife. That's the new thing they're saying, that he had a knife. Wait, who had a knife? Uh, Blake. That he had a knife, so that justified grabbing his shirt, which means you already are capable of doing so, of controlling him if you ne- needed to. Right. And it's then like, shot him seven times in the back. After following like, him around the car. Yeah. 
That yeah. was the whitest thing that they've ever done to a black person. <laughs> was letting him actually go around the car. Because you'll see these videos of motherfuckers staring them down with... I mean, the, the fucking shooter uh, last night. A 17-year-old boy? Walked up to the police. No, not a 17-year-old boy. Oh, he's, a, old man. he's a murderer. He's I a, a he's man, a man a murderer. If he was twelve, they'd be calling him a black man. I work like with they kids. did with Therese Rice. I work uh, with Tamir kids. Rice. I call everyone a boy unless you're fucking nineteen. That's where that came from. Yeah, well, mm. that's, that's not how it that's, works. Yeah, he walked up to the police. Police just let him kind of run away. Everyone's yelling. He just shot people. Dude's carrying an AR fifteen, whatever AK fifteen, yeah, whatever. AR-15. Fuck that unnecessary gun is yeah but look at portland they don't give a fuck no they don't give a fuck unless you unless you look a certain way or unless you are trying to promote a certain way of life that they are threatened by otherwise you do whatever the fuck you want can have guns you can start fights right in front of them don't give a fuck oh we don't have the manpower to be able to stop this like really I've seen a whole lot of manpower and a whole lot of weaponry that you've brought out every night. Yeah, and all of a sudden now you don't have this. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's very clear that, um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how, man, there's, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think we're all probably used to being people who know how to both experience and change based on empathy. So I spend all this time trying to figure out how people can continue in the face of these things to justify them, even though I know it's a, a futile exercise. To, to listen, the, I, I don't know if you've seen any videos of like the sheriff from uh, Kenosha Washington, excuse me, uh, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Kenosha, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, In 2018, made a statement where he basically was saying, I don't know if he specifically said black people, but I mean, you know, uh, where there's just certain people in the society that aren't worth saving, and we should just put them all in a warehouse uh, to get them out of our communities. I mean, there's more shit to it. I'm, I'm just not reading it, but that's the cliff notes make it make it two minutes longer um and then the the police uh the one of the officers or the the current chief basically tried blaming the curfew said that, that they, people if people, people weren't, weren't out yeah. then they wouldn't have gotten shot yep what oh yeah it's trash but that's if like, there's a curfew isn't there a curfew for everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. That that, mm, but that's a that's enough for some people. They just need enough to turn off, or to go, yep, and walk away. Well, and that's like the whole. I, mean, I don't know if you've watched the the garbage that is the RNC, uh, and I'm not saying that the Democratic National Convention was any better, but uh, the whole thing that they do is they're basically like yes the protesting is police violence is bad however the democrats and the communists have created an environment where people don't feel where officers don't feel safe and so they have to respond so it's just like 
backwards circular logic to like validate one person's like, actions and it's just like come on and it's they do it about everything fucking everything and they do it every day it's like you don't speak up at work well i don't feel comfortable speaking up because i'm the only voice well maybe we would hire more people who look like you if we saw heard that voice and saw that it was productive to our work environment uh, like, see leon i'm sorry you um you're not being very productive when you keep bringing up things that make some of our coworkers uncomfortable in the office. So maybe you should tone that down. Well, it's just, you know, I'm, I understand that they're feeling uncomfortable, but I always feel uncomfortable and I don't feel like there's anyone I can talk to about this. Uh, well, you know, you need to, you're just going to need to have to curb that. So it's, uh, we're working on it by 2014. 20 oh i'm sorry that was our old <laughs> those were the those those two initiatives ago uh our new 2024 initiative will will be up to the six percent of portland uh yeah do you feel like because the 17 year old man as you guys are calling him do you feel like there's gonna be this once again with like a, a certain kind of conservative. So Trayvon, I, I believe Trayvon was 17. Was he? He wasn't 18. I know that. No, he wasn't 18, but I believe uh, yeah, he, was, was he might've been 16, 16 or 17. Okay. I think it was almost 17 or 16. Oh yeah. Well, anyways, but it's interesting because I remember I called, it's funny. This is what triggered this for me. I was like, man, it's just this kid. It's just this boy. And it was funny because I heard the exact same thing. People were like, well, he was, he was like six feet tall. He was a man. And I was like, and then I just went into like my education, like my middle school through high school. That's what I work with, right? And I'm just like, but it wasn't. But I'm wondering how many people who were saying that Trayvon was a man are going to be like, this is a kid. He was scared. He didn't know. Is there a narrative that they're trying to say he tripped and shot someone dead in the head? Well, that's I thought a, I heard that. That's a good reason why we shouldn't have automatic weapons. If you can trip and you can shoot someone three times or shoot three people. That's like a, my, <laughs> my, my, I mean, my, what side of the fence? What are you going to argue? I tried I, to hit the gas. I tried to hit the brake, but my foot slipped and it hit the gas. I, I'm just. I'm clumsy. I'm sorry. I thought uh, I was grabbing my taser, but I grabbed my gun and I shot him while he was face down on the cement in handcuffs. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just look at, uh, I mean, it's not murder, but look at every single uh, pre or current collegiate athlete that rapes someone and gets off with a slap on the wrist because of their future. Because of their what? You know, their future. Their future. Like we we talking don't need white collegiate athletes. Of course. Yeah. We're okay. talking about the Duke lacrosse team or whatever. Talking about the swimmer. What was his name? The Brock. swimmer that Brock. Yeah, Brock. Uh, that's a Brock ass fuck. Uh, Is that his yeah, last name? Know. Ass fuck. <laughs> 
You're uh, saying no. as fuck. No, that's not what I said. Oh, I thought you were saying Brock. <laughs> I thought you were saying Brock as fuck. Like, uh, I mean, like, he is kind of. I mean, I I feel bad because out there there has to be at least one cool Brock. There has to be at least one. Ah, uh, but it's tough. It's tough. That's if, one of those. Uh, if you are if you are a broke gravy fan and you're an ally in ha- handling business, have no. You don't say anything. One of your friends. Send us a DM to say that I do know a Brock who is doing the work. Um, and he didn't ask me to do this. Otherwise, Brock is Brock as fuck. Uh, which actually I feel better about than what I initially said. Yeah. Uh, um, the judge didn't want to, the judge didn't even want to uh, fuck with him, by the way. Didn't want to give him any kind of ruling. It's amazing the empathy that these judges seem to find for predators and murderers it's like wild to me yeah but but if you accidentally vote and you didn't realize you couldn't because you were formally in jail or prison you get five years you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. like that woman is still in jail bro Uh, yeah it's it's crazy it's crazy I'm tired of these conversations, man. But like we said... I hope you're not tired of them because we're going to have these conversations a lot more over the next few years. (laughs) When Arbery... I mean, as long as we're still communicating with each other. (laughs) When Arbery was shot and killed, he said the same thing. Give it a month. And I'll say the same thing to this. He's not dead. He's paralyzed. Give it a month. But there are three others that are dead in the wake, or two others that are dead in the wake of it, right? Yeah. God, man. What are we doing? And fuck Ted Wheeler, man. Fuck that dude. Why? I didn't say. I didn't. He had a press conference, but I didn't catch it yet. Oh, I didn't even know that. I'm just literally saying fuck him. Okay, yeah, fuck Ted Wheeler. Reelected. What's that? I bet he gets reelected. Yeah, he will. I'm. Uh, I mean, I don't want him to. I'm not going to vote for him. But I feel. I have I talked on about, about this on uh, on the pod or in general, where I'm just I'm not sure what's going on with the um, the write-in Rayford? Oh, Rayford. Rayford thing. I don't know if you. Have. And that's the problem: is that Uh-oh. if it's really supposed to be a thing, then it needs to have blown up by now. Yeah be more than just write-in and then Tracer Rayford? I've heard too yeah. many people talking about writing in different people. So I, oh, yeah. I think Rayford's been, like, number one. But, like... Well, if we're uh, writing in, well, then I'm going to write in mine, which... Oh, yeah, wow. Just today. Uh, so, um, Stephen Green, uh, who is a uh, local entrepreneur, uh, philanthropist, just great dude in the community. Um, black guy. Black guy. Yeah. Black excellence. Black excellence. hundred percent. He has this thing called pitch black, which is a business pitch competition for uh, black business owners and black folks with ideas to pitch their ideas. Whoever wins the pitch competition gets like a couple thousand dollars or whatever. And everybody gets a little bit of money for participating. He's currently being sued for copy infringement by uh... (laughs) Shark Tank. 
What's that dude's name who did uh, Fast and Furious? Are you trying to say it looks like Vin Diesel? No, Vin Diesel had a movie called Pitch Black, man. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, he wasn't, uh, <laughs> he wasn't the star of Pitch Black, but okay. It's used what? in a... Who was the, the star, star of Pitch Black? Black? Ben Diesel? He's in Pitch Black. And did, then you just say, did you say Ben? Did you say Ben Diesel? I said ben ben, Diesel. Benjamin Diesel. <laughs> ben Diesel is 100% the star of Pitch Black. He's in Pitch Black. He spun off his own movie, Riddick. No, you have it reversed. He, you're saying that he's in a movie called Riddick that's not about him. No. And then he spun off a movie called Pitch Black. <laughs> in a movie called Pitch Black, and he spun off Riddick from Pitch Black. Yeah, but, he's but the I'm star saying of he's both? not the star of Pitch Black. I'm he saying he's is the in star Pitch of Pitch Black. Black. Nah. Yo, everyone's going to get on you, dog. Who's you're talking, everyone? You're talking to sci-fi. Yeah, all 10 people listening. You're talking to the king of sci-fi. This is like Leon saying he loves vanilla right now. Yo. Don't you put that on me. That's some bullshit. Sorry, Leon, I interrupted you. In my He's actually had way too much support about vanilla in the back end, too. It's unnecessary. Yeah. No. Go on. Because then we'll get to the vanilla commentary in a little bit. But anyway, uh, so Sarah Ironron wore one of the pitch black shirts at an event that she was at because she had attended a pitch black event in the past, bought a shirt, whatever. She wore it. Somebody saw her wearing that, took the design, copied the pitch black design, put it on a t-shirt sale website and was like, uh, pitch black Sarah Ian Roan campaign t-shirt. And so Steven's like, what the fuck? Up in arms about it uh, and put it on the Black Portland channel on Facebook. Ian Roan's campaign also started to work to get this taken down as well. Um, but all of a sudden people started like commenting in that Black Portland channel about this. They're like, well, that's why I'm going to write in X person. That's why I'm going to write in X person. And I was just like, oh, this doesn't, this doesn't solve the problem at hand. Mm. Like, I don't think that Sarah is, is better in any way than Ted, but at least I don't know her demons. You know what I mean? I don't know her at all. I don't know that woman. She, hey. She's not tear gas, Teddy. What do you even rhyme that with? What does she have to be? Uh... Tear gas, Teddy. That fucking dude, man. Yeah. Yeah, he had some press conference like I saw it on Twitter like a half an hour ago, and I haven't had a chance to look into it. I assume it's just more of the usual. Like we're in support of this, but uh, violent agitators have, uh, uh, and so the police are going to keep blah, blah. And he should be ashamed of himself. Like, he, it, he could at least, if he at least had to be working with a police uh, commissioner, and he could claim that there's, like, some sort of, like, whatever, but he's the police commissioner. He can... He's in control. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just trash. 
And most people actually know that. So keep that in mind when he wins again. What message is that sending mm-hmm. to Portland people? So let me look up in um, Seattle. They Their council passed, a, I think, $25 million taken off of the police budget. And the mayor just vetoed it. But, like, we know that this is really a bad veto. Like, okay, just... That's, uh... Yeah. That's fun. Chris, Eric, and Leon, a.k.a. Broke Gravy, are three storytellers slash artists slash comedians. They've got thoughts. When will we see real change? <laughs> the way you said that was funny. Uh. It sounded like you were leading into something. Like, <laughs> like uh, we're going to go to no. our correspondent. Uh. <laughs> I'm just going to let that hang as a sound bite, and then we can just reuse that every month. Real when will we see real change? Yeah, man. And honestly, I, I, I ask myself what am I doing about it or what am I going to do about it? And I don't know that I have a solid answer. And it's something that like, um, I wouldn't say grappling with it, but it's like, I don't, what side do I stand on? Because at least here in Portland, there's nobody to stand with. I honestly don't feel like the protester. I think the Black Lives Matter thing with the protesters here in Portland has is a stepping. It's like a something to stand on, um, and it's an excuse for like other motives and other initiatives, which is very unfortunate. I'm not going to tell them that they should stop protesting. I do question what would happen if they came through my neighborhood and woke up my baby. If I would, like, if I'd go out there in my house slippers and tell them to shut the fuck up, uh, because you've seen that they are coming through Northeast Portland neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, what would I, I'd be pretty pissed off if they uh, came through in the middle of the night, but whatever. Yeah. Everyone has the right to demonstrate. Um, I like. I don't want to stand with. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just saying. I like how many young people are out there demonstrating and protesting. Though I really do. It 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 uh. It gives me a little bit of hope that one they care and they're motivated enough to do something. To do something. Yeah. I mean, but I'm 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 looking at you and you've got that far off stare that I recognize in myself where you're like, but will they? It's like well, you're trying to look twenty years down the line and to see these young people who are like out there marching and being motivated and doing things, and you're trying to see them in positions of power and you're like, fuck, I also see all of the blocks that are going to be in their way. At least that's what I, that's my uh, there of desperation. I think if every 18 to 22 year old voted in November, there would be no doubt in my mind that Donald Trump would lose. No doubt. 
no doubt. If 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 that age bracket, and I'm not saying there aren't conservative. There's a t- there's a lot of conservative young yeah. folks, but overall, I think there's an upcoming generation of of kids who are just better than I'll just speak for my I mean, generation. That's the idea. Who are better mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. than we were? Me me. Um, they're more conscious. Mm-hmm. They're more aware. They're more accepting overall. And I think if, if you could motivate, what it is is voting needs to become easier. <gasps> Clutch the pearls. <laughs> Break this one down for me. Yeah, it just needs to, because people, we're in, a, we're in the time where we want things fast and we want it now and it just needs, we, we need shit to be easier. And as long as old ass, old guard decrepit motherfuckers are in charge of things that's never gonna happen correct it's never gonna happen so and they've never wanted to make voting easy of course and they guise it in terms of making voting safer making voting more secure all of these different things having armed guards at voting booths is to make sure that things don't get out of hand also known as make sure that no brown people feel safe coming up to the voting booth of course i mean it's all like it's all. gerrymandering redistricting all of, everything is made so that we cannot change the system yeah and our and our government is just the biggest hypocrite of all right because how do how does stuff get done why can you why don't we know everyone's vote? Why can you, how can you take secretive votes? Right. It's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. Everything should just be straight up out in the open. You shouldn't be allowed to take corporate money. It should just be like, everything should be out in the fucking open with governmental institutions. I'm, not, I'm obviously not talking about the secretive shit that needs to be secretive for like the safety of the the United States. But then again, like who chooses that shit? Whatever. It's just all bullshit. It's all bullshit. And there's nothing, I mean, like what? I'm 44. I'm telling you right now, if Trump wins, I've already told everybody this, like the house is going up. The house is going on sale because like I said, the house next door to me just sold for five fucking 45, which is insane. The house is going on sale and I'm going to sit on my money and be in a in an apartment until it's time to just bounce. I'm going liquid, baby. I'm getting rid of so much shit. Just me and my dog in an apartment chilling. Where are you going? Where are you gonna go? When did this happen? Barbados. Barbados. <laughs> <laughs> when did what happen? When did you? Uh, a few weeks ago, you said that you were going to be in Portland. You ain't going nowhere. Yeah. You've, no. you've, you're turning no. into me right now. No, it's the article I sent y'all, which I have some questions because I want to. Ask oh, about the appraisal? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to have to get rid of that painting that's behind you right now. So I said, it doesn't look fake enough African <laughs> to be like, a, an air, like something someone collected. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's that's what like it needs to be like some like like a long African uh, like sculpture. Yeah, 
to look like it could be a white person's. Preferably like <laughs> rings the, on the neck and yeah, a lip yeah, yeah. on the pl- and a plate lip. Yep. Yeah. For the three people listening, I sent Eric and Leon an article that basically said, was it Florida? Of course it was fucking Florida. <laughs> Come on, man. Florida. It, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter where it was. That's yeah, the thing. Right. It really doesn't matter where it was. You're right. But Florida minute. will take the blame this time. <laughs> Florida's there like, is- only that much? <laughs> Shit. There's this couple, uh, this black woman, this white guy, they're married, they have children. They got their house appraised. And um, then they decided to get it appraised again, but this time they basically scrubbed their house of all uh, Negro essence. They scrubbed it white, so it was just white. And then she took the kids while the appraiser came, so it was just the white dude. And the the appraisal difference was like- $140,000. and forty thousand dollars so you're fucking with the money that's how deep it is that's how fucking deep it is and i already knew that shit but it's like you're fucking with the money man a hundred and forty thousand dollar difference and all you did was take down pictures of your black children and your black wife and like probably some statues or some colors, some bold colors. <laughs> and all the spices out of the cabinet. You got rid of yeah. those. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just rosemary, salt. Now that's a skit, yo. It opens the fridge and there's a bottle of hot sauce and then slow motion, the guy tries to like <laughs> take the hot sauce. <laughs> oh no. They replaced oh. the NWA record with a Will Smith record. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Ami Ami. So. Yeah. Man, uh, yeah. Yeah. What I was gonna tell y'all. Oh. I feel like I might have said this, but maybe I didn't. So. Real gravy did I, exclusive. Did I tell you the story this about when I got like a bro- gravy exclusive? All right. Say that again. We're being dicks. Sorry. Did I tell you the life insurance story? Uh. Nope. No. Okay, so when I got my first house, don't comment on it. When I bought my first house, I don't have two houses, but the first house I bought was over by Leon, actually. It's in the Decom Triangle. That's in Portland. No one gives a fuck. Doesn't matter. So I bought this house with, with a friend, and it was suggested that we, we get life insurance. So I was like, cool. Uh, I had American You both family. get life insurance? Yeah, that we just get life insurance. I had American as part family. of buying the house uh just uh it was suggested by my insurance person it's like oh have you ever thought about getting life insurance it just might help cover something so I was like yeah cool and he was like it doesn't actually cost that much it's like dope so someone actually comes out to the house and they take your temperature they mm-hmm. do all that stuff they take some blood yep they did that to both me and Danielle about a week later, I get this letter that's just like, um, you've been denied. And Danielle gets this letter that says she's been approved. So me being myself, who I'm kind of a, what's it called? I'm not a hypochondriac, but I have tendencies. I'm thinking I got denied because they fucking found something and they like legally just can't tell me, right? Is it because of your knee? So, 
I take too much fluid every, on that knee. I take all of the forms, everything I did, and I take it to my doctor. And I say, hey, can you run all of these tests on me, do all the things that we've just done? He does it. Everything comes back. We meet again. He says, there's no medical reason why you should have been denied for life insurance. And I go, what? And he goes, and he looks me in the eyes. He goes, there's no medical reason why you should have been denied for life insurance. And I was like, there is a genetic reason. Fucker. You're always pre-sickle sale to them. Mm -hmm. Motherfucker, right? You got that pre-existing condition. So fast forward to two weeks ago when I'm looking for the best rate, right? I go to- For car for life insurance. Sorry, for my refi on my house. Yep, yep. I go to four fucking places, four different places. On three of them, I mark the box African-American when it says uh, race, ethnicity, whatever. You don't have to, but I just, I always do it because I don't give a fuck. And I'm getting the same rate, 3.1, 3.0, blah, 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 blah. And I'm talking to my friend and she's like, that's weird. Because I'm hearing about these rates, 2.75. And I say, yeah, it is weird. And she goes, she goes, she's white. She goes, are you marking (laughs) the box that says what race you are? I'm like, yeah. She goes, see what happens if you don't. And I was like, no, that can't be it. My credit is dope. My credit score is amazing. I've always followed the rules my whole life when it comes to money. I've done everything right. That can't be the reason. You haven't done everything right. But. (laughs) Or should I say you haven't done everything. I make good financial decisions. I've always been on top of that. So I don't fill out the box. I get my 2.75. Now, I can hear some skinny white dude out there right now if he's listening to this shit, making excuses. Well, the market dropped and you just got in at the right time. I ran through all of those. But what my history of my life tells me is that you're fucking with my money because I'm black. And that's bullshit. So yeah, if Trump wins, I'm gonna sell this fucking house and I'm going to sit on my money. I'm going to put it all in gold. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what's, your, what's your address again? We, we'll edit it out. What? <laughs> I just want to know where that gold is. So it's fucked up, man. It's all systemic. Nothing's going to fucking happen. It's bullshit. I'm out. Like, honestly, the, the difference between... I said it a couple weeks ago. The difference between Biden getting elected and Trump getting elected to me, nothing, nothing changes for my life. Nothing changes for your life. There will be maybe a little bit less like social media craziness and people fucking coming out of the right wing woodworks. But as far as the rates that we get, as far as our healthcare, as far as our employment, as far as our day-to-day lives, as far as the fear of law enforcement, as far as just walking through the wrong neighborhood at the wrong time, all of that will still be there. So I guess my plea to white people is make your lives better. (laughs) 
and vote for Mr. Biden. Like, nothing that you do is going to change the shit show that is America for blacks. And I'm sorry to be pessimistic about that and say that, but my 30 some odd years of existence have shown me that this is this is what America is for us. Are you Blanche from the Golden Girls? You don't want to say your age? Well, I just don't want to put it all out there. You know, might disqualify me for life insurance. <laughs> I actually qualified for life insurance, just to let you know. As did I. I got, uh, I got that good insurance. I was actually surprised the rate I got. Um, oh. I get, yeah. I, I mean, I have, I have little to compare it to, but I, in my head, what I thought life insurance would cost per month, I was like, oh, okay, sure. Granted, I had my friend Brock sit in for me during the medical interview. <laughs> the only one. The only good one. Uh, Brock Goodwith. Uh, <laughs> W-I-T-H-E. Uh, I don't... I... Uh, I think I agree with your general sentiment, Leon, but I don't completely, I, I'm not as pessimistic as you, though I am plenty pessimistic. I think things could, in a very small percentage of the potential outcomes, get marginally better. I, so I guess, or, or maybe more accurate, is that Four more years of Trump is detrimental to blacks. Four more years of Trump is detrimental to everybody. Uh, well, to a larger swath of people than usually just the BIPOC. Everybody and who is listening to this show and the environment will be negatively um, affected. Yeah, there's there's still a small spread. There's still that uh, more than one percent. We'll call it like. 3% of people that'll make out well. Um, I, my, hmm. Here's the things that have to happen. Biden has to win. We have to flip a net of three seats in the Senate. Probably more, just, just to have more because, mm -hmm. again, Safety. Democrats represent everyone who isn't just a sold-out Republican. Yeah. So they don't always agree on shit and they won't all just agree to agree on things that need to happen to just, just to reverse the shit that's happened. Um, Cause that's just not even a guarantee of the democratic party. Um, and then through some combination of fuck, I don't know. Cause we've seen the protesting kind of works, maybe sort of, I mean, it hasn't gone on long enough, but it's almost that like the people that are protesting and who are complaining about Biden and, they need to start getting together now, telling people to vote for Biden so that when he wins, they can be at his doorstep, mm -hmm. ready to, to just turn his shit inside out. I don't even think Biden's going to make it through four years, do you? I don't know. He, he runs. I've seen a couple of videos of him like jogging onto the stage to, to <laughs> prove his youth. But he drinks uh, virgin blood every night. Don't you guys know that? QMM. Oh. I mean, I didn't know that. Ooh, 
I don't even I don't I don't even have the brain capacity for QAnon. That shit is. Oh, was that one of their claims? Baffling, dude. Just here, here. We could play a game where you just say the, some crazy shit, and you can find it on some QAnon like fucking four chan oh, or something. Yeah, it's fucking bonkers the shit they believe, and they've got people who are up for election. Yep. It's bonkers. Is it Michigan or Louise? Georgia. Georgia, where the QAnon person is up for election? Is it Georgia or Virginia? No, I'm just naming states. It's in the south. Yeah. Um, Shit. uh, (laughs) Yeah. And then I actually, maybe I'm confusing them because I think one of the people who is running, uh, I think there's like a black woman in Georgia running for a, for something who's there's a black some, woman that's in this QAnon. Oh, QAnon knows. Well, it's everybody. It, it, yeah. Oh, it, anyone. Lordy. Can be. Um, yeah, I, the, I, I don't know. Uh, there is a world that things could get generally better. The thing is, it's not like we're going to jump casts. Um, so, I mean, it's like my, my, the, the, the pessimistic side of me is like, ugh, fuck. What, what do I do? You know, like Chris getting liquid, uh, like me in, at 1 a.m. panicking that I don't have some sort of backup plan looking to see how I can move to Canada or whatever bullshit, you know? Um, like what, like that's the pessimistic sky. The very slight optimistic side is that things could actually get pulled left word not that far but something fuck i don't know man i mean come to belize with me let's go i do like belize let's go (sighs) do we get any questions this week uh, I think we have one. Yeah. Just one? I think people just like hearing what bullshit we have to talk about each day. Which is fair. It's nice to get questions though. Y'all see Herschel Walker? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Minnesota. Everyone hates Herschel Walker there. Back when I used to like back when I used to like football. Fucked up oh. our Vikings for years. Got fleeced. My dude should have like just done the whole speech in a like old slave accent. Slave accent. <laughs> These American states was real bad before Mr. Trump came into power. Like the whole thing was just awful. Fucking awful. Can't yeah, believe yeah, I mean, look, if aliens arrived tomorrow and they enslaved humankind, there would be ranks of humans, right, who were working for the aliens, who would work to keep people in their place. They would sell out the human race to the aliens. They would let them know of uprisings. They would 
they would work for the aliens. It's just how humans are. So are you saying there's aliens? <laughs> Fuck yeah, there's aliens. <laughs> wait, you, I, wait. Uh, I mean, I don't think that aliens don't exist, but I'm also not like, I don't have any evidence that they do exist. You don't have evidence that ghosts exist, but you believe that. Well, I've, I know people who have seen ghosts. Okay. Chris sees ghosts. Sure. He's a logical human being. Shit's just too big for there not to be other living organisms out there. But what the fuck are they doing coming here? Why? Why don't we go there? That's the question. Because we can't. So then maybe they can't. Are we fighting about aliens right now? This isn't a fight. This is a discussion, Christopher. I don't know, man. It sounds like... uh... I'm sorry, it's not as important as who the main character in Pitch Black was. It's an ensemble. (laughs) Did not know who was fucking with him. I mean, here's the funny thing. About what Eric is doing right now with his little tiny backpedal he just did right there. That's what I've been saying the whole fucking time. He's the fucking main character. The movie hinges on him. Riddick. That's Riddick. You're talking about Riddick. No, I'm talking about... The spinoff. Chris Black. I'm talking about their... They start out by going after him. They find him. They trap him. They get him locked in. And then he ends up... Oh, am I spoiling this? Should I said spoilers? This is from 20 years ago. People... Uh, if people also, it's Pitch Black. They're not running to see it now. Also, yeah. it's a Vin Diesel movie. There's a, no spoiler. It's not a Vin Diesel movie. Oh, my God. Please. Riddick I, is a Vin Diesel movie. Riddick... How, how long does it take him to show up in the movie? Christopher, are you having an aneurysm? It's a Vin Diesel movie. It is. It is built. Tell that to Keith David. It's built around them (laughs) trapping him, getting him. They're, They're like trying to get him so that they can send him to this prison. Yeah. What's your point? Wait, you're talking about you're like, so, wait, so you're saying that that Matt Damon is the star of Saving Private Ryan? Because the whole movie is about them finding him to bring yeah. him home. No, I'm not saying that because Matt Damon isn't in most of the scenes of Saving Private Ryan. He just shows up at the end and does a horrible acting job. You didn't know you... <laughs> <laughs> the best part of this is that you did not like Matt Damon in Saving Private Ryan. No. Are you talking about Jeremy this? Davies, though. The pitch black that has Vin Diesel on the cover, on the movie poster, <laughs> looking like a broke-ass uh, Denzel Washington? 
Well, he has eyes. He has his eyes were surgically altered so he can see. Oh, I can tell that from the movie poster. Yeah, yeah in the trailer, he like blows the fire and it, it goes at all those little alien things, right? Look, I have. You don't remember that part of the movie? No dog in this fight. It's a Den, it's a Vin Diesel movie. I got no so, dog in this fight, but when I search Pitch Black, every picture is of Vin Diesel. And yeah, because the afterwards they're like, is... he's a big guy. Let's give him a spinoff. Okay. Um, let's give him two spinoffs and let's retitle it The Chronicles is, of Riddick. Is Pretty Woman about Richard Gere? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you mean that Richard Gere movie, Pretty Woman? <laughs> yo, I mean, he's yo, the one who had the most growth. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? He's oh. the one who had the most growth over the movie. Oh. Maybe Wayne Knight. Is Wayne Knight in that? Who's Wayne Knight? I don't know. Uh, You're saying, like, names that are Seinfeld. close to movie actors that I from might what? know. Seinfeld. Uh, Costanza. Newman. Newman. No, Costanza's in it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Alexander. Jason Alexander. I'm thinking of uh, what's the basic instinct? That's got Wayne Knight in it. It sure does. It sure does. Do you have uh, any Seinfeld alum movies to add, Leon? Uh, no. No. Um, Rife has been in a lot of movies. Has she done a lot of? I know she did um, Christmas Vacation. She was the next door neighbor. Yeah, um, she was. Um, she was in a movie with James Gandolfini, right? Where they played like widowers who like fall in love. Oh yeah, she was in that. Yeah, that was okay. I love her. I think she's. I think she's great. I like her when she finds, I mean, that's not fair. Any actor, when they find the right stuff, I really like. She's great in Seinfeld. She's great in Veep. Uh, great in Veep. Uh, I didn't care for, like, some of her other sitcom sitcoms. Christine. Like, the old adventures of new Christine or new adventures of old Christine or, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm sure they're fine by, like, multi-camera sitcom standards but that's just not my jam though i should i just want to point out it's taken me a while to truly get on board but kim's convenience yo that's a good Lord show mercy. i told that's you a good show like, here's the thing chris it was the sort of thing where i'd watch one i'd be like yo that was good and then two months later i'd watch the second episode i'd be like man this is really, really good third so, you know, and I just kept taking my time with it. And then finally, like three weeks ago, I just started watching them regularly. Oh, man. It's so fucking good. It's written so well. Yeah. They do a pretty good job of balancing kind of the tropey sitcom stuff with other yeah. stuff that they subvert. Yeah. Um, it's just fucking good. And it's just nice to see, like, literally, there's like two white people in the overall kind of uh Humble, yeah bigger cast yeah like including all of the regulars and like the co-stars and stuff yeah but just tons of uh like immigrants and uh with full normal families and normal 
are some normal and some specific problems, but yo, show is so fucking good. And Honestly, so fucking funny. it makes me miss Vancouver, like the festivals in Vancouver. I want to. Yeah. Yeah. You never made it to Toronto. Oh, I didn't. Toronto was great. Toronto I've been there great. before, but yeah, I didn't go to the festival. Festivals. I, yeah. I got a, I, I want to, I would love to go to Toronto again. Say what's up to uh, Bad Dog Theater's artistic director, Coco Galore, the homie. Mm-hmm. Go. Uh, Montreal. We got to figure out how to get to we Montreal. We got to get to Montreal. Montreal? Montreal. Uh, we so see I you. Was, uh, we love you. I was talking with uh, um, Ann Zander today of Dear Diary, friend of the show, friend of the show. And uh, we were talking about like kind of being stuck in like this uh, vortex of what do you do creatively when you know you don't want to really fuck with Zoom too much. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. um, I was just sharing how like I, I have no desire to do improv on Zoom and I and I won't. Uh but also like even though well, I have what if, from- what if they what if they start throwing some money at us? Well someone's like, Hey, we'll give you a thousand dollars to do a Zoom show. But who would do that? People well, are gonna I- get desperate. I I've got feelers out there. <laughs> I think I have a feeler out there. I, I, well, anyways, Anne and I were talking and it's like, you know, she has her, the, um, I said juice box in my head with juice face, her one woman show. Isn't it juice box? It's juice, it box. Is juice box. It is juice box. Okay. Yeah. What yeah. the fuck is juice face? <laughs> juice face? <laughs> juice face? That's, that's this face. <laughs> um, mm. but so you know that she had been. <laughs> Accepted into all of those. Dude, she missed so many festivals. Oh, man. They so like we a were, whole tour and everything. Yeah, so she was talking about what that was like, like that morning period, like of just like, fuck. And I was like, yeah, that would fucking, that would hurt. You know what I mean? That would really hurt. But what was interesting was now she's like talking about, well, I'm I'm feeling, I'm getting my energy back and I'm 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 looking for creative outlets again you know what i mean and i feel i feel a similar way i feel like i have this i have kind of front porch sessions uh but like i i feel like i want i feel like i want to do something again like something but i know what i don't want to do and that's improv right now in this particular medium unless someone throws money because apparently i guess i'm a sellout yeah so no see that's that's bullshit though it's doing it's of doing a version of your art yeah for money which is like but i hate i do not like and i feel like people are gonna get mad i do not like improv on zoom I don't know why you're saying that as if you haven't said it four times on this podcast already. <laughs> Day. You said, it like, you said it like the third episode we did. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I believe you said, let's be honest. <laughs> okay. Improv on Zoom is garbage. <laughs> I just, did I say garbage? Yeah, you said garbage. I feel like you I said mean, garbage. Chat, 
respect, respect. I I was being coached. I I actually like. I think it only works with two people, though. I think only in a duo. But I really enjoyed being coached um, in improv. But performing, performing it, it just for me does not land. But like, I one hundred percent agree with you on this. Let yeah. me just be clear on that. And the problem is, and it's the same problem that I'm dealing with with Bennett and his school, is that we're taking this thing that was made for a certain style and a certain location of delivery that, to be honest, wasn't perfect already. And yeah. we're trying to jam it into another form without making any changes or making any adjustments. So we're basically using a screwdriver as a hammer. Does it work? Yeah. Is it the right thing to do? Results may vary. Probably not. Like what, like what I'm waiting for. And I don't know, maybe the answer again is maybe you should do it. Um, You, I'm talking to myself in this situation um, is like, let's look at the medium that we have if we know that we are limited to this, this stage where we're in separate boxes, what can Great. we create that is like dope for this tool? <laughs> <laughs> like, what can this open up? What opportunities does this create? Um, and just doing a musical, an improvised musical where a person is playing a keyboard and other people are trying to sing to it while matching oh, are, latency and bandwidth. About, are you talking about something specifically? <laughs> <laughs> I am not going to say any names. Leon Fries? <laughs> there was a... Uh, I, I was recommended to listen to something. They were like, oh, this... They're doing amazing things. It's one of the best jams that I've ever been to. They're really revolutionizing the way. That's the same recommendation. And then I was like, you know what? I'll check it out. And I didn't check it out. I got like, I saw it through someone else's post where they're like, hey, we're going to be at this event. And I was like, well, I mean, if it's right here, let me check out the video. I made it through 30 seconds, 30 seconds of that. I was like, golly. Like I wasn't a big fan of musical improv to begin with, but then seeing musical improv where everybody is like a quarter second off is. The crazy thing about musical improv is like when it hits, it fucking Ooh. hits. Ooh, but that's the thing is that it has to be, it's the perfect fucking storm. And that's probably not the right analogy for me to be using as Laura's hitting into Lake Charles tonight. So I apologize for that. But it's like, you have to be not only good at singing and you have to be great at improv and then you have to do those two niche things together. Yeah. And then people want to throw another thing on top of it. 
where they're like, oh, we're going to do Star Trek themed musical improv. And I'm like, now you're taking this other niche thing and at like, come on now. You've got one person. You've narrowed your audience down to one person who's really going to be into this. And everybody else is just going to be like, show me what you got. It's just like, become a master at a craft. And then, like the musical improv I've seen that is dope, it's like fucking Broadway talented singers or like professional singers who have then gone and learned how to improvise really well with the best coaches. And then they come together and bring those skill sets together. Yeah. Yeah. So I just sorry I think, if I put your show on blast just now, anybody who's listening, but this is why I haven't been to your show. <laughs> I just think we all need to kind of admit like for the foreseeable future, like for the next year or so. That's nice. We either got to generous. Adapt, That's very generous of you. Yeah. We either gotta like adapt or die. <laughs> die. Like for real. It's just, you know, it's like, yeah, you got to adapt or just you're going to go away. You're going to fade away. So, and adapting isn't, let's just do this online now, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? It's not just transition. It's not a lift and shift. Yeah. It's finding the right thing and then taking the time to rehearse and hone that within these confines and then present it, which yeah. I, I think there's people starting to do, trying to do. Um, and please, if you, if there's, uh, if you know someone doing it, let us know. Yep. Um, I'm open to checking out some more stuff. I will always uh, give it a try. And you don't have to leave my house to do it too right now, which mm-hmm. is nice. Yeah. Cause I'm not, and honestly, I do think that the the folks who do uh, crack this code and who figure out a way to like create great improvised content in this medium that we have available to us, they will come out of this much stronger players than they went into it. Like, I think these the skills can transfer from computer to stage better than from stage to computer probably because i think there's so much listening that you have to do and so much like breath that you have to be willing to take in a virtual environment yeah that you know maybe folks will be a little calmer on stage be willing to embrace that silence what's our question Oh, uh, I mean, I shifted windows. I'm sorry about that. I failed you. I failed you. Ebart 91. Ebart 91 coming back in with a question. Who is a teacher slash professor who you... Sorry, I butchered that. Well, I edit that back. Ebart 91 coming in with another question. Who is a teacher slash professor you have had that has impacted your life in some way and how? When I was in, uh, when I went to St. Thomas Aquinas, this guy, his name was Mr. Kopke. 
He's an officer Kopke. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> he was just this cocky fucking asshole. I think, I can't remember if it was fourth or fifth grade. I feel like it was fifth grade. Just, I came into class, I'll never forget. I walked into class with this girl, Dominique. I'm forgetting her last name. And I guess he had written up on the board. Uh, take your seats, be quiet. But Dominique and I came in and we sat down at our desks and uh, kind of looked over to my friend and I was like, what's going on? And this bell came flying out of the air, whizzing by me and hitting the floor. And I was like, and I looked up and Kopke had thrown this bell at me. And he just was so angry, pointing at the at the chalkboard. And I remember, <laughs> I remember in my head being like, "Did he just throw a bell at me?" So I got home and I, I told my parents, and they went in to talk to him. But it was just uh, that like stuck with me for a really long time. It really influenced. It really influenced kind of the way I showed up in those classes for the rest of the year. And like, if I knew like if I ever worked with kids, I would never do something like that. It's crazy. Hmm. I don't think adults think about the little thing, not that that was little, but the little things we do and say that will stay with a kid. So that when they're fucking 44 years old, they can still pull up that memory. I think about that all the time when I'm working with kids, man. It's interesting that you went that direction. Right. When I read it, and then when I was hearing your story, I was waiting for the like, oh, but then I realized that Kopke was teaching me discipline and this no, is something that's, guy. yeah, but you went the other way of yeah. like, oh, I know I'm never going to be that person. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, man. He ruled, he ruled by fear. You know, this is fourth or fifth grade. He ruled by fear, dude. He would post your grades. Right up on the wall with your name. There were kids who just fucking, like that shit really fucked with them. They fucked with me and I got good grades. That shit was horrifying. That's not motivating. You know what I mean? He's an, he's an asshole, man. I should look him up, send him a box of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, yeah, the person who's impacted my life in some way. I think I might have talked about this in the one of the first couple episodes. Um, Everett Jackson. He wasn't a teacher or a professor, so it's kind of dissuading. But he was an uh, admissions officer at USC. And, um, you know, when I turned down USC because I couldn't afford half tuition. Like he called me up and went above and beyond to set up meetings and to find out what other colleges were offering me, uh, which though it was a full scholarship to university of Florida, university of Florida is nowhere near what USC cost at the time. Um, and, uh, he went out on a limb and he, like, got me a full scholarship, 
kind of got me into USC, which allowed me to meet tons of people, be educated by amazing professors, but none of whom really, I would say, impacted my life. Um, but he was just someone who, not only from the standpoint of the trajectory change in my life had an impact, but also just that idea of making sure to like help someone else out. Like you never know who that person is going to become or where that person is coming from. And so this like slightest, the things that are small to you could be massive for them. And so just keep them pushing that forward. So if you're listening, thank you, Everett Jackson. I see you teaching down there in Northern Arizona, or maybe it's Northern Las Northern Nevada. One of those two, one of those red states, crystal clear. One of those red states. Flip it, flip it. Uh, they're trying. Uh, cool. So I, so I've, I've gone through a journey just now. It started with me just kind of assuming improv, then oh. hearing Chris and going, oh, let me go back and actually think about school. And I, so I, to start, I think just now I realized that I don't think I, I really had a teacher that impacted me too much or too little school-wise. I, I, uh, I mean, I'm sure I'm missing some little itty bitty things, but no one that I was like, man, Mrs. Thomas really did blank for me or, or Mr. You know, Franklin really tore me a new, you know, I, I feel like I, I had good teachers. I had bad teachers, but nothing that kept me or pushed me. Uh, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. like I was always a good student. But it, most things came to me reasonably easy. And even by college, you know, I worked at certain things that I realized I needed to work at. Other things I realized what I needed to do to, to get through them. And that was kind of it. So, yeah, I don't. So school wise, I don't know if there's anything that really, really stuck out for me. I think I could probably put as as much of my learning on my parents as I could teachers, which is a huge aspect of it. And I, you know, I don't want to uh, take that away from my parents. They were hugely in- influential in, in uh, my education and my just general being. Um, so I am going to go back to improv. Um, and, and I think part of it is that so much of improv has shaped who I am. Um, it's made me more me and it's made me more me more quicker, uh, in a lot of ways. So I'm glad that I found it. Um, and, and I don't know if I've mentioned, I'm sure I've talked with you two before, but just in general, like I kind of started doing improv in college, moved back to Minneapolis and kind of set out to find a job. Um, and when I was looking for a job, I kind of put improv on the back burner. And I basically spent about three years not finding a career, just working at a restaurant and 
intermittently taking breaks and doing interviews and taking breaks. And finally, one day I just said, this is dumb. I'm going to do improv and went back and started doing improv. Just, I found a class, took it. I signed for a class and started the same day. Um, and so it wasn't that class though. It was great to, uh, meet my friend Mookie who taught and I eventually performed with for a long time. He's actually like the a vice president of a wrestling organization now, which is a whole long story. Uh, like a new one, uh, all extreme wrestling, AEW. I don't know. Uh, Mookie, funny guy, good guy. Uh, anyways, you uh, or Mookie. Mookie is his nickname. Christopher Harrington. Like Mookie Blaylock. Yeah, but whiter. Like a hundred percent whiter. Um, uh, <laughs> but uh, the, after that, I started kind of taking classes around town and trying different stuff out, and that's how I met Jill Bernard. And so, uh, uh, most people within—I shouldn't say most people, but those who know know that Jill Bernard is like one of the best improvisers like around she does this amazing show called drum machine uh that is a one woman show where she does speaking of musicals she will do a historical musical by herself and it's fucking phenomenal um she used to do it with a drum machine and in the past and the last couple years she started doing it with a live drummer and often a live band um and it's one of those situations where first she was a teacher and now she's a friend. She's one of the founders of Huge Theater in Minneapolis. She's a great person. But I still, I remember taking kind of a, just like a, a drop-in class with her. And uh, the topic of kind of, uh, uh, this isn't explicitly what it was, but it basically ended up becoming about like intimacy on stage and kind of what people are willing to do as performers. And she basically gave a two-part answer in terms of like what people should, how you should set your boundaries. And I've, in the, in the, in the last few years, I've heard a lot more talk and discussion about boundaries and how to set them and how to establish them. And, and that's great. Um, that's, and I don't think her comments then took away from any of that now, certainly. Um, and I think she would probably have a similar, but more nuanced answer now if I were to ask her again. But basically she said that, you know, it's kind of up to everyone involved to be open and honest about what they're comfortable with, what they want to do on stage and, you know, you know, just kind of how they want to handle their improv. But ultimately, if you want to be the best improviser you can be, there should be very little you're not comfortable doing on stage. And just the way that I, I took that is to mean that you have to really truly be open and honest and willing to go places that you might not be ready to go or willing to go. And generally speaking, these are happening with trusted people. You know, you're not doing this at a jam. You're doing this with people you've been performing with for a long time and that you do have discussions with about what you're comfortable with. But, but uh, yeah, just, it's always stuck with me that it's just kind of like you have to, if you really want to be the best at something, you have to be willing to put like your all into it and not be, not be embarrassed about it, not be conscientious about it, not be, uh, not, you know, no half-stepping more or less. Mm -hmm. 
I always, I don't, I don't know if I've ever actually even taken another class from Jill. Um, uh, Cause it was just like a drop-in class through uh, comedy sports uh, when I was just doing improv anywhere I could at the time. But uh, watching her, playing with her, getting coached by like all kinds of things. She's, uh, she's amazing. If you ever get a chance to seek out Jill Bernard, um, absolutely find a way to, to watch her perform or just sit down and chat with her. She's lovely, lovely person. Yeah. I have that sentiment about Jill as well. She has got a chance to choose uh, international ensemble coach for me in Edmonton. Yeah. Um, uh, at Rapid Fire Theaters in Propaganza. Um, uh, yeah. So good. And also got a chance because that was a two weeker. Uh, so the next week she was actually part of the uh, ensemble with us. And so got a chance to play with her as well. And yeah. someone who is willing to go anywhere and do anything and it's great because like her boundary that she pushes at least during that experience was she was like i probably won't curse on stage and i was just like i don't think anyone's ever like said that as their kind of boundary or their limiting uh factor (laughs) when going around the circle um that was just really great. Awesome performing with her. Um, but yeah. Work your shit out before you get on stage. That's a mean way of saying that. That's one of the dangers of improv that I see constantly. It's like if you are not... Everybody has their baggage. Everybody has their things that they've dealt with in their life. And if you try to avoid it, it will show up on stage. You will come to a point where you have to confront that on stage because it is so truthful. Um, and so whatever it takes, anybody who's getting into any kind of performing art, like make sure you have, you're doing your therapy on the side, you're doing your self-care, you're doing your work because you want to make sure that you've, you got your angels around you that you process like you've worked through a lot of stuff so that you can bring all of yourself to the stage and be ready for anything. I don't know, Jill. She sounds great. Well, let's get her out here in 2024. I'm moving the, moving the calendar out a little bit preemptively. Trump's third term. Yeah. Keep in mind that um, it didn't have to be this way. It didn't. Like I, we just don't really talk about that a lot. It didn't have to be this way. Yeah. There are a lot of people who are saying a lot of the same things that I'm hearing right now about write-in votes and third-party candidates. And Granted, I think that a third party in the future, once America has a lot of other shit figured out, is a potential. But right now, we got a two-party system. And And you know who doesn't want a third party? Democrats and Republicans. Exactly. 
they it's want not. it to stay the way that it is. Totally. And so, unfortunately, if you want one evil out, you got to pop in the other. But as Chris so eloquently said, I'd rather take the fart than the shit. Is, I mean, is there a way to actually have a third party in this country without rewriting our constitution? There isn't, is there? I mean, there was, like, if you think back, even after the constitution was written, there's the Whig party. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, but that's but before this is... they realized they couldn't just, like, consolidate all the bullshit and just go back and forth for uh, 200 years. Right? right? <laughs> I'm no. just saying that there the has been, the wigs, the there has been an existence when there were... <laughs> <Or> carpetbaggers. <laughs> I don't think carpetbaggers were a party. Uh, excuse me? I think it was a derogatory term for Northerners who Isn't moved there? to the South during the Reconstruction time period. Yeah. But I do I love see. the term carpetbaggers. I throw that out any time that I can. Tonight. Are you singing Smashing Pumpkins? <laughs> that's funny that that's where you went. I wasn't, but yeah, I get it. Oh. A political candidate who seeks election in an area where they have no local connections. A carpetbagger. I would have swore there was an actual party called the Carpetbaggers. Who am I thinking of? A person from the northern states who went to south, who went to the south after the Civil War to profit from the Reconstruction. Also known as gentrification. And this is Leon's, a person perceived as an unscrupulous opportunist. Gentrification. Also known as carpetbagging. I'm going to start calling people, walk into stores, like walk into yarn shops and call them carpetbaggers. Yarn shops? Yeah, you haven't seen that yarn shop on Alberta and 6th? It's called like modern wares or something like that. I mean, like Joanne Fabric. It's called. It's called no, like, it's not like Joanne Fabrics. It's like I, I'm not saying that is. I'm just saying to Chris, like, don't act like there aren't yarn shops around. Oh, this right. It's an artisanal Portland yarn shop, though. Yeah, I've exactly. never seen a yarn shop. I, mm-hmm. no. Go no. hang out in Old Black Portland, and you'll see yarn shops. No, oh, you mean New White Portland? Oh, sorry. Oh, you sorry. mean Carpetbagger Portland? <laughs> <laughs> I'm degentrifying this motherfucker. No, I'm not. I paid. I paid a good amount for my house. Would you? Would you leave? <laughs> okay, so you and Audrey live in the house. Mm-hmm. You guys own the house. Mm-hmm. Would you? <laughs> if you knew that you would get a pray, if you knew your house would get a praise, one hundred and fifty thousand more. Would you leave the house? Like, would you be, would you leave the house? Or would you be I, like, fuck this. This is my house too. I'm staying. I'm no. staying in here when this motherfucker comes through the No, I would I would leave the house. I would take the books off the shelf. I would take some of Audrey's books off the shelf. I would like, go upstairs, take the curtains that we just got that kind of maybe have a little bit of an African inspired print. I'd take those curtains down. Little ethnic. Little ethnic. Uh, oh, 100% to get that extra money on the appraisal? 
Yeah. <laughs> like I'm sure I'm sure we've done worse things as black people to get through the day. Yeah. Or to get a to get ahead on the man. Yeah. Well. But now for that extra 150k, 140k. But granted, what does that money turn into? Just because the house is appraised for that doesn't mean that it'll sell for that. I guess you could refinance once you have a higher appraisal value and pull the money out as cash, right? Yeah. I think maybe right before I moved to Belize, I might do that. Like whitewash the house, get some extra walk-in cash, and then peace out. Go to a non-extradition country. What are you going to do in Belize? Shit, I don't know. Grow, grow mahogany? Fish? Uh, Can we go back to growing mahogany? Oh, yeah. Mahogany is one of the biggest exports of Belize. It's, a, uh, it's not the fastest growing tree, but it is a relatively quick growing tree. Very sturdy. No oak. There's no... <laughs> <laughs> it's no redwood, but uh, you know, yeah, and it's used in manufacturing, sold across the world. That's uh, pretty good. I have a buddy. Oh, there it is. I was waiting for when it would happen. So there's What's a uh, there's a running club uh, that has recently started up uh, that runs through the neighborhood here. Um, all white people running really close to each other with no masks on. Um, wearing all Nike. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Nike head to toe. Yep. Yep. Speaking of, I'm going to the Adidas employee store on Friday. Put in a good word. You have to. <laughs> you have to like make an appointment now. You can only stay for half an hour. You can't try anything on. They only let a limited amount of people in there. That's tough. They're not trying anything on. I know. Well, I'm going to get some stuff for my niece. So I got her sizes the other day. So I'm just going right. to pop in there. All right. Like, How can I make my niece just like Uncle Topher? It's <laughs> looking fresh. All right. Well... For clarity, for clarity, we're saying that Vin Diesel is the lead of Pitch Black, correct? You and Leon are saying that. I think I'm saying that this he is, is a, part of an ensemble that spun off into his own movies after he became bigger. Since Eric has been outvoted by a swing vote which is me. Yes, Vin Diesel is the star of Pitch Black. He just freeze. <laughs> See, he's backtracking already. Look at that. <laughs> Started talking politics, he already fell off. He put his hands back like he thinks we heard him, but he No, he no, no. I just left it as a cliffhanger. Who's the star of Cliffhanger? Mm. Stallone, baby. 
I'm, not I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to think of another Aaron. actor in Cliffhanger so bad right now. John Lithgow. <laughs> John Lithgow. John Lithgow. I almost said, <laughs> I almost said Rennie Harland is the star for directing it, but that's all I got. Uh, oh, you, y'all didn't know Rennie Harland directed that? Director of Last Kiss Goodnight. Starring one of Chris's favorite actresses. Julia Roberts. Uh, Green. Kathleen Turner? No, uh, what's her name? Green. Green. Why can't I can't think of her name right now? Samuel Jackson. I think I mentioned this last week. Last Kiss Goodnight. Oh, wait. Did I say she was one of my favorite actresses? I did? The tall woman? Mm -hmm. I thought you did. I don't think so. What the fuck is her name? It starts with V. Wait, maybe. Or you. you mean the long kiss goodnight where she's the spy but doesn't know she's a spy? Yeah. No, I mean, I like her, but she's not one of my favorite actresses. What the fuck is her name? She's in um, mm-hmm. Thelma and Louise. Her. Oh my God, uh... what's her name? She's on that TV show where she's the president or something, right? Oh my God, this is insane. She's in The Fly with Jeff Goldblum. Leon's like, what are these things they're listing? (laughs) You don't know. (laughs) Leon, do you have a review of Project Power? I I came prepared to talk about Perry Mason today, uh, but Uh, we didn't go there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Did we not talk about Project Power? No, I, no. Homeboy just chewing up scenery every... Are you, are you talking about Joseph Gordon-Levitt? <laughs> Project yeah, okay. Power was horrible. Oh, that movie. Like where they take the thing and they get their superpowers? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, I saw that movie. That movie was... Janine Davis. Why did I say Jean? Jean Davis? Jeanine, I get you. She's not my. She's not. I'm not. Oh no, she's not Meryl. I just thought you liked her. Yeah. Um, no. Let's let's talk about Jamie Foxx and Project Power real quick. Make it quick, cause ooh, you spoke that. I mean, <laughs> I've just seen the trailer. I haven't watched the movie. Oh, but like, it's trash. Yeah, I'm not going to watch it. There was about ten minutes of it where I was like, all right. Jamie Foxx coming hard. I was like, oh, no. This is. It had the potential to be fine. Interesting. And they just fucking. And then their explanation of how they got the superpowers from taking it from animals made no fucking sense. It was just dumb. It was bad. Yeah. It was a bad movie. But that truck. And that 32-year-old playing a (laughs) 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 15-year-old. She was... I was like, who is this middle-aged woman? (laughs) Whose mother showed up on set, right? (laughs) Oh, God. That made me laugh. That shit made me laugh. Shit. Uh, uh, thank you for the Perry Mason wreck, though. That is Perry Mason is whew. on point. I'm four episodes in. That is, it is. 
Hiya. How are you feeling about Lovecraft? Um, it's a lot. Like, I feel like I've watched 12 episodes. Right? I just said that to Emily. I was like, this is only episode two. <sighs> Spoilers, I haven't watched it yet. Okay, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying, I know. Yeah, I'm not I, just, say just, just before you start saying, like, yeah. and then when? No, it is. Uh, and then it's all going to shift. Like, everything's going to shift. Oh, man. It, but it's good. It is beautiful. It is uh, so well written. It's like, it's to that point where, like, Audrey loves the sci fi element of it, and I love the historical elements of it. And we're able to both sit down and thoroughly enjoy it. It's those like two niche things that come together really fucking well. Wait, um, Audrey's a sci fi head? Oh, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. You know Yo. The first you time she met my brother, we were at a restaurant in LA and they started talking about Eon Flux for. Like oh yeah, yeah. The cartoon. An hour and a half, and all cartoon? I had was like, yeah, cartoon. All I had was like, oh yeah, there was the fly. <laughs> that's that's all I had to contribute to the conversation. I didn't know Audrey was into sci-fi. Okay, we're gonna have to have a Star Trek conversation at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just got into it with uh, my friend's husband. He was, uh, none of you will care about this, but we got into it about Star Trek and which like kind of rankings. I was very disappointed in how high he put Deep Space Nine. I'll just leave it at that. I think Enterprise is her favorite. Wait, um, has she not seen the new one, Discovery? The cartoon? No, 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 the, the Discovery. Yeah, Below Deck? No, what the fuck are you saying? Shut up, Eric. Discovery with a uh, <laughs> black woman who's the lead. Mm-mm, I don't think so. She hasn't seen that, no. and she hasn't seen Picard. Yo, okay, so Picard is Picard is nice for nostalgia purposes, and it's 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 good. She needs to watch Discovery, yo, as soon as possible. You can only get it on CBS All Access, though. Oh, you can't get it on Amazon or anything like no, that. No, no, no. Tell her it's worth the five dollars to just binge watch it. It is my favorite Star Trek. Period. Full stop. It's great. It's great. She'll she'll appreciate it. All right. I'll spread the word. I'll spread the word. This might be my what's good for next week, but uh what the fuck? What's good? Yeah. I'm sending you images. <laughs> Whatever. That's Vin Diesel. <laughs> That's Vin Diesel's face. Yeah. Okay. Good for you to look in the middle of that nonsense and say, "That's his face. He's the star." His name's barely even on the poster. Uh, what's good? Uh, I don't know. Did I already say that I talked to my niece? He's the first cast person in here. He's the first cast actor. Okay. I'm just saying. Okay. But it's it's not above the it's not like on the top or anything. I'm sorry. I mean, Eric's just being he's doing what he does. He he knows. Eric knows. He he's, knows that I'm right. He's right what up there with Rada Mitchell. Out there? <laughs> Rada Mitchell and Cole Hauser. 
and Keith David, pitch black. Who do I think uh, of when I, I talk to Keith my niece? That's my what's good. You talk to your niece? It was great. I talked to her on Zoom. It was great. It was great. Nice. It was a great conversation. She's the one that listens to the show? She's the one that listens to the show, but she's a senior this year. It was like an adult conversation. She was funny. I really appreciated it. And we're going to make it a somewhat regular thing. But I'm sure she doesn't want to talk to me all the time. So, yeah. Did you curse on that conversation? Or did you apologize for your language? I did actually curse one time. I did. I said said, uh, something. Here's the thing. You're the uncle. You can fucking while out. Yeah. You can get on that Zoom with like a bottle of scotch and a cigarette. I can't drink scotch. It hurts my stomach. Oh, man. <laughs> That's that why you your, didn't get that, that life insurance. Chris's Leon comments of the week. <laughs> no, but it's weird. Scotch hurts my stomach and whiskey doesn't. I don't understand what's happening. I just don't like scotch, but my stomach's fine after, I it guess. Fucking every time it just twists my stomach up, even when I just take a sip. Hmm. What's good with you guys? Uh, my what's good is I'm taking the day off on Friday. I guess it hasn't happened yet. So it's a future what's good. Uh, taking the day off on Friday and, uh, going crabbing with, uh, Audrey Bennett gonna, Aaron Jean's gonna meet us out there on the dock. Well, we're gonna throw some crab traps in the water. What's your bait? Uh, they give you some like rotten fish down there, but we're bringing some chicken legs. I was going to suggest some funky chicken. Yeah. I might bring some party wings because I feel like the chicken leg is a little bit too much, but like just that drumette might be, might get us. Is that what a party wing is? Yeah. In like, your head, are you buying like a bag of like Tyson's chicken? Yeah, I'm buying <laughs> this Ziploc bag of like fifty chicken wing pieces. I feel like I feel like in Leon's head, those crabs that will look at that are like the animated Sebastian crabs, and they'll be like, "What's this, man?" <laughs> la 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 la. la. <laughs> like, can I get? <laughs> Some blue cheese. <laughs> this uh, man not put no seasoning on this chicken. <laughs> man throwing some naked chicken in the ocean here. <laughs> oh, just giving this ocean a appraisal of 140,000. Crab's um, gonna come up and like look at me, and just shake its little head. Mm-mm-mm. Nice try, man. Nice try. <laughs> Give me pinch, the flaps. Pinch me on the nose and jump back in. <laughs> you give me this naked meat, man. You give me to put no seasoning on it. Me come all the way to Portland, Oregon from Jamaica. <laughs> me now have no seasoning in five seasons. You ain't got no breaded cauliflower, do you? <laughs> That was Irish. That was weird. I'm done. I'm you done. You should be like, you don't have no bread and cauliflower, do you? <laughs> you don't happen to have any potatoes and carrots. <laughs> <laughs> Can I borrow a shovel? <laughs> oh, Why is it okay for them to do voices about Irish people, but I can't do my hood voice? Cancel us. Well, Karen. 
Sorry, Eric. What's good? Uh, I'm uh, I'm gonna say I'm midway through doing some landscaping in the front of our house. Uh, you are. Some- I am. That, that Scott's turf builder gig is really coming in handy, huh? Wait, well. <laughs> uh, oh, actually, okay, two things. I'll say two things. One, uh, one. So, yeah, one. Uh, so, like, right in the front of our house, there's a bunch of bushes that we're just kind of like, eh, these are kind of whack, and they planted them too close together, and they're just, they're whack. So, I'm uh, pulling them out, and then we're going to just seed it so that hopefully next year it's grass because it basically comes right up to like our front little patio it's not yeah. patio, but like porch and next summer we assume Mila will be wandering around so that way we can actually just sit on the little stoop there and watch her play uh so that'd be cool uh and segue yesterday trinket season two dropped and so you can uh you can see my episode where I'm the announcer of a high school robotics competition. I believe the title is Oceans Seven, Oceans Seventeen, Oceans, Oceans Something. It's like the fifth or sixth episode. I'm gonna look it up. I actually have not watched it yet because I just noticed it today, and I was like busy, and I was like, "All right, I gotta." like Kelsey guess what let's watch let's see what happens is it your voice I don't know yet I assume (laughs) I assume it's my voice but you know I assumed it was going to be my voice for the librarians and here we are uh what's that you don't know what uh I'm trying to look it up right now uh Ocean's 11th grade Ocean's 11th grade yeah episode Uh, season two episode six as Elodie marks a milestone in her personal growth mo contends with a blackmail scheme during a robotics competition hello i haven't seen a single episode. i i watched the first episode when i got cast because i oh. just wanted to okay. like know the tone kind of yeah it's it's fine it's like a ya it's like a ya show kind of okay but, uh, like a YA show that like has enough adult stuff that it's like, like kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, swearing and adult uh, budgeting, budding adult situations. Who's the lead in Trinkets? Uh, I don't know. Vindy? It's the you would recognize her as. Um, have you seen um, what's the uh, Deadpool? Have you seen Deadpool? Yeah. You know the like. He has like the two kind of sidekick-ish superheroes, the like yeah. big, the big dude, and then like toxic, tonic, toxic, Megatron, whatever is just like the girl. Yeah, the, her. She's the. Oh, okay. Brianna Hildebrand. Cool, yeah. cool, yeah. nice. I'll check it out. I'll let um, Emily know. I think she watches Stranger so. Oh really? Yeah, I think so. That and then the A.D. Bryant one. What's that one? Oh, I didn't see um, Shrill yet. The Shrill? Shrill, yeah. She watches both of those, I think. Mm. Oh, also, before we go, I just got to say this. I totally forgot. <sighs> Emily took some serious, 
serious displeasure <laughs> in me saying that her family don't know how to spice meat. And I just want to say, I'm standing by it. I'm standing by it. <laughs> uh, no, here's the thing. I think they spice meat for them. So yeah, are they spicing meat? Sure. Sure, as much as a Brit would spice meat. Okay, so yeah, okay. How much meat would a spiced meat Brit? Yeah, but uh, she really wanted me to tell you two in particular that she knows how to spice meat. And then she transitioned to, I have more spices than you do. Which is true, I don't buy spices because I just use all the spices that she has. She doesn't use them. She, she does have more spices than I do. That is correct. So. Oh, I learned. I just want to put that out there for everybody. I learned today that uh, tomatoes are spicy, according to some people. So I was uh, in a meeting and we were like bullshitting at the beginning and someone talked about social distancing and I made my joke about the safest place to social distance in Portland is the spice aisle. And uh, <laughs> a Leon classic. Leon classic. Great way to break the ice on a conference call of a bunch of white people. And then someone who actually got it uh, was like, yeah, it's true. Like my mom thinks that tomatoes are spicy. And I was like, what? And then someone else on the call was like, yeah, some tomatoes are a little bit spicy. Oh, Lord. What have I walked into? Are they calling flavor spice? Like some tomatoes just have more flavor than others. I don't know. I have no... Also... The same way that I they can... I walk this dog, but have y'all heard about milking cucumber? Wait, is Leon delayed? What did you just say? Did you just say <laughs> milking cucumbers? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Have y'all heard of milking cucumbers? What does that even mean? So check this out. Don't send me no links. If you cut, <laughs> if, you cut <laughs> if you cut a cucumber in half to get rid of the bitterness, you take one half and the other half and you just rub them and then you'll start to see this milky substance come out and then your cucumber will taste better. I need you to make a video of this and post it. It's already on the internet. Make a oh, video. We'll post it in the Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> but check it out. I didn't believe it until Emily Emily did it, and then those cucumbers did taste a little better. Do the cucumbers taste bitter? I didn't think they did, but it did change the taste. Hmm. I think sometimes the skin can have a little bitterness, but generally speaking, I'm not sitting here like, oh, my cucumber. Well, I only eat English cucumbers. I think these are regular cucumbers that you're going to know. He only handles them thin cucumbers. Okay. English cucumbers are so much better than regular mm, yeah, cucumbers. Yeah. I actually don't know if I even have sat down and eaten an English cucumber aware that that's what it is. Oh, okay. I will get an English cucumber in the next week. And report back. Okay. okay.
So maybe next week we can have a cucumber episode. We can all eat different types of cucumbers during the show. Only two, Leon. You guys know no, there's what like the... Japanese cucumbers, I just, isn't there? I don't know. You talking I about think, uh, You guys know what the English call uh, an eggplant? Uh, uh, oh wait! Uh, um, uh, hold on! Hold on! Hold on! Uh, it's aubergine. Aubergine. Yeah. Yep. That's the fun fact for today, everyone. <laughs> That's the name of the episode. Aubergine. You're saying it weird, dude. I think aubergine. It's I think it's pronounced aubergine. Aubergine is not my lover. <laughs> it's like Eric pronouncing Amos. Amos. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, welcome to Amos's Aubergines. I can't believe they cut all that. Come on, man. Ugh. All, right. all right. Well, I'll see at least one of you tomorrow. Yep. Oh, yeah. Noon. Online noon. Yep. 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 Chat yep. soon. Bye. Bye. So long. This has been a Broke Navy production. For updates on podcast releases, live shows, swag, and more, you can subscribe to our newsletter at BrokeGravy.com. You can follow us on Instagram and or Facebook, or, you know, just keep your ear to the streets. If you enjoy the show, please give us a five-star review on Apple, Google, Overcast, or just yell it at neighbors and innocent bystanders. They'll get it. We love answering your questions, so if you have one for us, please hit us up at BrokeGravy.com or on Instagram. As always, we appreciate the love and support. Until next time, it's all gravy. Bro, gravy!